All right, everybody, we're here. I can't believe it. We're doing a podcast interview. And what better guest today than my friend, Marlo Higgins. And she's going to be talking about how to run fast and live fearlessly. Marlo, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Stephen. I love it. Thank you for having me. Well, it is a pleasure to have you. I was on your podcast a little while ago. I really enjoyed chatting to you. I felt like you have a lot to offer my audience. So I thought, get her on here. And we uh, we bribed your, uh, your agents. We begged everybody. And we got you on here. So you're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So uh, you have a lot of great material. And I, I read your book and I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to make sure we cover as much ground as possible in our interview. So first of all, I did a little introduction uh, just a couple of seconds ago, but I want to have you just let my audience know who you are, who you help, and how do you help them? Oh, thank you so much for that. Well, you know what? I'm a chief inspirational officer and that's a unique title, I know. But what basically that comes down to is I love to inspire performance. I love working with entrepreneurs. I'm a triple crown entrepreneur myself. And so just the energy and the insight that goes into running a profitable and sustainable business has been really, really important. And so I help individuals get to their one-year goal and we do it in 90 days. And there's, um, you know, multiple ways that we look at that, but just imagine if you could achieve the goal that you have set and do it in 12 weeks, you know, that really comes down to clarity and time and purpose and value. And there's just, you know, there's a lot that speaks to me when I can help somebody achieve that specific type of goal. I love that. We're big fans of that idea here at Marketplace Superheroes. We uh, talk about the 12-week year quite a lot, actually, and it's something that we're big fans of. So we'll dive into that in a lot more today. Uh, I, I love that. And again, what we're trying to do with the show, as I was mentioning to you before we started, is just get right into it. And so what I thought I'd do is take some of your main pieces of amazingness and break them down for our audience the first thing I was really interested in is this concept of success boarding. Let's start out first of all with what is success boarding? And then we're going to get into how can it help our audience here who are aspiring e-commerce sellers be more successful? You know, uh, great question, Stephen. And, you know, it really stemmed in 2007. I was, you know, in my first um position as an entrepreneur, right? To myself and two other business partners started a company from scratch. We had a concept, we had an idea, and I was championed with the title of vice president of sales. Basically, I was asked to, you know, start a sales team and then oversee that sales team. And success boarding was developed in 2007 when I was operating um, a pretty large sales team. I had 237 frontline leaders. They were in 39 states. We were developing an international market. And these had to, you know, these people had to be product ambassadors, right? For a product that we brought to market that wasn't quite branded. And so in that space, there's a lot of rejection, right? There's a lot of uncertainty. And, um, constantly finding the sales team, you know, constantly needing to pick them up off the pavement, right? Because they'd get on sales calls with me as their leader and everything was like, nothing's working. It's not, you know, I I'm failing, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I took that energy. I took the negative energy and I said, okay, tell me what went right this week. You know, what, what felt good in the last five days of business? And that birthed the success boarding strategy. And for the listeners, and, and this is really rich, and I'm very, very passionate about this, because this one tip 
this one strategy can actually turn things around immediately. And then there's three different layers to it. But when I say a self-recognition strategy, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, as business owners, people who are in the space that you serve right now, Stephen, you know, we have to wake up, we have to put a fire in our own belly because nobody else can do that for us. And so imagine if you're waking up and you're feeling failure every day, you're feeling like it's nothing that you do is working, nothing's possible. And if you were to flip the switch and were, and if you were to say, okay, what are three things that went right or felt good this week? And then you documented those wins and then you reveled in those wins and you use those to leverage future success. That's really um, the purpose of success boarding. It's really just stopping with a, you know, an actual stepped out strategy by noon every Friday before you go to lunch and you just reflect back. I love to take post-it notes and I love to just put three post-it notes in front of me and write down three things that went right or felt good. And then you document that. Now you put those on your monthly calendar. You keep it visual because it's something that you can see to remind yourself to keep yourself motivated because you can say, okay, if last week this happened, just imagine what could happen this week. And if you were to document just three things a week, you know, there's only 20 days of production. I'm talking to somebody who's working Monday through Friday, right? Not, not seven days a week. You know, that's 12 to 15 recognitions you're going to have in 20 days. You keep that up all year long, and that's um, 220 out of 365 days that you're witnessing great wins. And you're fueling yourself of what's possible and what's working instead of failure and defeat. Well, that's huge because we have a lot of different people uh, at the different businesses we work with. And some people are just starting. And I think this is a great strategy that people can utilize to remind yourself that you're 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 making progress number one if you're starting out i'm going to ask you about that in a sec and secondly for people that are further on the track even myself for example sometimes like we can be uh, achieving a lot but it's almost like you forget what you're achieving because you're so in the middle of doing all of these different tasks and i think that's a really important thing to recognize what felt good recognize what you did but i want to pick up on that first point because a lot of our audience are starting out and so for people that are starting a business it feels like it's going to take a long time you know it feels like oh it's not moving fast enough is this something that you would recommend for somebody in that situation Absolutely. You know, it's a principle that I teach every client that I engage with is, you know, is how to success board, you know, how to really position this in your weekly calendar as a, as a weekly activity. And it's very simple. But the main point here is just the visual space, right? So my success board sits in front of me in my office, and it's just sprinkled full of these visuals of things that, you know, they're going well, because as entrepreneurs, it's easy to have one conversation, have one transaction. It maybe lasted two minutes, but it sticks with you. It could stick with you for the whole month, right? You can, you know, you can really just revel in that one loss and put all your energy there. But if you were champion to sit in that space and you could visually see, hey, you know what? It's not so bad. I'm just thinking it's worse. Um, you know, that really is an important strategy to start right out of the gates if you're starting up, you know, and starting out a new fresh business is start to implement because we know that high achievers and high performers need really three clear things. They need to be validated, they need to be inspired, and they need to be recognized. And when you work for yourself, there's not a lot of people that are patting you on the back, giving you flowers and telling you you're awesome. Okay. So that's what success boarding does. It's saying, you know what, 
It's not an ego and a boastful spirit, but it's you saying, you know what, I'm doing really well and things are going, you know, in the right direction. And then you, you document that. Plus, I love to do the 180 day accolade list. Now that's six months of, of documenting your wins. But, you know, to live out the whole year, it's fun to get, you know, to stop, to reflect back, look at that list of wins, and then let that be fuel to get to the finish line of your year of performance. Love that. So we, for everybody listening, then the strategy here will be to literally get a board and to start to put these different uh, pieces on the board, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they're visuals. I mean, the reason we use post-it notes is because it's not a lot of white space. It's not a lot of room to ramble. If you were just had a small space and you said, okay, write down your win, you're going to immediately document. You know, maybe you, you know, made 200 sales calls this week and that was a huge win for you. Just put down on that little post-it note, made 200 calls and then put a date on it and put that on your visual success board for the week. Awesome. All right. That's a great, well, what a great way to kick off. I love that. Well, obviously you're dealing with a lot of high performance, right? And a question, maybe you don't get this often, maybe you do, uh, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Some of my audience might feel like, and I've definitely felt like this before. I don't feel like a high performer right now. As a matter of fact, I'm working in a job. I don't really like the job and I feel like I'm miles away from my, my goals. Number one, like what can somebody do in that situation to, 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 to become more of a high performer, as in if you are in the habit of performing at a suboptimal level, what are some practical things people can do in your experience to begin to turn that around other than obviously documenting this? Are there, are there other things we can do to get into momentum faster? Oh, absolutely. So it kills me when I constantly see people who are passionate about what they do, but they're being crushed under the weight of their own expectations. And so the thing I want you to take away from that right there is expectations, right? If you are feeling that weight, then, you know, you need to reevaluate and you have to say, you know, am I expecting too much of myself? And high achievers, high performers, right? We always think we need to be, you know, perfectly perfect. We need to be doing it right all the time. But you know what? That's that's not sustainable. That is a very, um, very heavy way to think about your business. And so, you know, when you're entering in managing expectation, I'm going to just give a little key that, you know, I started implementing back in 2012 when I was, you know, starting my, my uh, area of entrepreneurship. So these four words, if you ask yourself, is it light or heavy? Is my opportunity expansive or does it feel constricted? And when you can go into the space and you say yes to, to um, different options and ideas, when it feels light and expansive, you can manage your expectations so much more effectively. And you can easily then say no to the things that feel really heavy, really constricted and give you no opportunity. So when it comes to performance, it really comes down to how we're managing our expectations and you know what we're expecting of ourselves? Is it really something that we can sustain over a long period of time? That would be a great question for anybody to ask themselves. Yeah. Do you ever find sometimes when people are starting out in, in business that they have, there's a fine line between you, you got to expect a lot from yourself and have positive expectancy versus you, you know, quote unquote, being a realist, right? So sometimes it can be difficult to get that balance between what is actually possible, right? And what is unrealistic or the expectation is an unrealistic expectation. How can you know whether or not 
your expectation is unrealistic. <laughs> do you know what I mean? How do you know when you're on track or off track? Like, for example, I hear people come in and say, yeah, I'm going to start selling on Amazon in my first 30 days. I'm going to be doing 10 grand. They have no products. To, you know, it's going to take time to import them. There's no way they can do it. What What can we do in that situation to know whether we're on track or not, I suppose, what I'm getting at there. Yeah, you know, and, and you're talking about, yeah, that, that, so here's the thing. Your dream should be so big that they scare you, right? And I know we've all read that and we, we need to live by that. So we have to qualify to get to great because if we operate in an area of mediocrity, then we're always going to be just subpar. But when we are starting out, we should have a vision that is so big that it kind of scares us. But then when you match a really clear expectation to that vision, I think that's when we can kind of start breaking it down in a way that is not overwhelming. Okay. And that's when, you know, we're overwhelmed is because we, you know, it just, everything feels so big and so heavy. And so if we can lighten the load, if we can simplify things and look at it through a different lens, I think that really will help anybody, you know, take that big vision, right? And it will, it, they'll make it a reality because it's just so much more um, attainable that way. Love that. Let's move on then to something else that you, you talk about your maverick mantras. I think this is cool. You know, there's, there's a lot of different information about this type of thing. This is something I'd like to improve upon. First of all, what are Mav maverick mantras? Let's just start there. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's those things that you can repeat back to yourself. A mantra is something that you can speak and it comes with ease. And so, for example, you know, one of the mantras is everybody wants what I have to offer. Okay. That's a mantra that like, imagine you are getting ready to make the phone call to close a client or you're in the car on your way to your next sales presentation. And if the only thing that you're playing on your tape, right, through your mind is everybody wants what I have to offer. You've already overcome, you know, the trying to close the deal because you're already in the space of mindset of saying, hey, I know you want it. Let's get started. And so as I'm describing that, you know, everything that we do, if, if we can kind of keep them short and sweet we, and they're simple, then we can do them. And that's really the purpose of the mantras. And I've always believed, you know, in just, you know, having those types of little snippets, because that is when you can replay that back to yourself in that space of, you know, if you educate properly, the sale automatically happens. That would be another mantra. And so if you just tell yourself, hey, if I educate properly, the sale automatically happens. So what you do is you focus in that space is let me just educate. I don't have to sell anything and they're going to say yes. So I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, and applying that to everybody listening as well, like having these different thoughts that you can repeat, these mantras you can repeat to yourself that are empowering, that are the obviously opposite of what a lot of people are thinking are great. So I love what you just said there. Everybody wants what I have to offer. I think that's great. If it was for an Amazon seller, it could be, um, you know, there's this market looks fantastic or I am consistently finding great products. Like I am able to do that. Would that be that type of thing? Is that a decent mantra? A little bit long, right? But maybe oh, we can no. figure out a better one. That's a hundred percent, you know, because it's, it's, we want to, you know, the whole goal in what I do as a chief inspirational officer is I want to strengthen our positive optimistic muscle. 
Because when we get into that zone of possibility and we can actually see things play out, it removes the like the fear and the anxiety and the worry we have about actually achieving it. So it's these little booster shots, let's say, of the way that we speak to ourselves, the way that we think about our business, that actually, um, if we start to really strengthen those muscles, just like we do at the gym, and we can strengthen that positive optimistic muscle as a seller, they're going to have a greater impact and they're going to see success because of it. Yeah. One of the issues our members usually struggle with is the time when it's about, you're about to pull the trigger and place an order for a product. And I think this is a great time to have a Maverick mantra in place. So this product is going to work, right? That's a great mantra for that, that particular time. And you know, sometimes I find Marlo that people say these things, right? Oh, you should have these mantras, but they don't always do them. Are you, as someone who teaches this, is this something you do every day? Is this something that is, is conscious for you or is it now just unconscious and you're just like saying these things in your own head every day? Well, you know, like the mantra I've always lived by is run fast, live fearless. And that for me as an entrepreneur, you know, I, I, when I tell myself that that's something, you know, run fast, live fearless, that's just something that just kind of repositions me and just kind of anchors in the spirit of who I am. And I think it's really, really powerful to have somebody, you know, that you can just position. So I like to, you know, every year I like to pick a word that will um, really kind of position me to win for the year. And then I match that to a mantra that I'm going to live by. And so, um, you know, in the book, The Making of a Maverick that I published in 2017, I go into mantras and I go into how to choose your word for the year. And for example, our year um, right here in 2021 is simplify. And so we just have, that is the, the North Star of our business. We take everything that we do and we're just simplifying it, right? And it's even in our communication systems, our writing, everything that we do, it's just that's where where we are anchored at. And that gives us a lot of power because when we find ourselves like lost in the woods, which we all do sometimes as business owners, entrepreneurs, and Amazon sellers, you know, things get really, um, we can just really get lost. It It's a way that we can ground ourselves and get back to what we were choosing and the race that we choose to run for 365 days every year. I love that. I'm just laughing as well, because that's exactly uh, what we've been doing this year, simplifying. And uh, it's just hilarious that people like yourself has become more successful. They actually look to make things simpler, not more complicated. Whereas when people are starting out in business, they're always trying to make things more complicated. It's just so funny that that's the way it happens. Um, and I'm just laughing at that. So uh, on this on this track, this is great. I feel like everybody listening, you could, you're probably thinking of that sentence now that's going to help you or that mantra that's going to help you now. But one of the things, Marlo, a lot of people find is as they go on the road to become more successful, there's a lot of people that told them that they can't do it. It's not possible. Coworkers, family members, people like that. And those, uh, you know, those, those, those things can really echo very loudly in, in our heads. So that's self-talk that's negative from other people, or even ourselves. How do we start to train that out of ourselves? These mantras are obviously a good step. What else can we do practically when these things come up? And I say when, because they are going to come up. Yeah, nobody's immune, right? Uh, <laughs> so you're speaking of the term confidence, right? And the definition of confidence. So we have to be confident in our abilities. Um, we have to be confident in our decisions. So it really comes down to that one word confidence. The definition is the purity of actions produced by a mind free of doubt 
Now, the thing that stands out in the definition of confidence, it's two things. It's actions and it's doubt. And so when you have all those naysayers telling you you can't do it, what you need to do is fuel yourself with the right types of actions that you can see a result, right? You can see and measure the metrics and check those boxes that you're going, you know, one step further every day, every month, whatever, every week, and you're doing it without doubt. Okay. And so that's your ability to execute and be decisive. And over time, I think, you know, it's, it, we kind of have to train ourselves to be more confident, but when you get into that space, then you're kind of invincible. And that's what I really love to help people get to and achieve is that level of confidence that they can believe in themselves so much that they almost become bulletproof. And it, again, Stephen, not the boastful ego spirit that you're better than anybody. But you know what? You have to wake up and you have to compete with yourself. And you know how to overcome the challenger. And so spend the time and the energy to improve who you are and your outcome will be so much richer. Love that. There's so much there I'm going to have to re-listen to because it was very rich what you were saying. Uh, But I love that idea of a mind free of doubt. And I also loved what you were talking about, small actions that you know you're going to get a result from. That is really powerful. Now that I reflect back on my own life, just thinking through that, like I started out small and the tasks that I take on now are so much bigger. They're so much greater, but I've no doubt in my mind because I've been there and I've done it. And I think that is fantastic. I couldn't agree anymore with that. So, so let's kind of change, kind of track a little bit then and talk about failure because uh, we've a, A lot of people talk about failure, certainly in our community as well. Robert, Ricky, my business partner, uh, a lot of everybody listening will know Robert in our community. He uh, has a great video called The Fear of Failure, right? And so you have a quote, which I really like, and it's a setback is a setup for a comeback, which which is really cool. And so when you're thinking about failure and stuff like that, and this whole idea of living fearlessly, how can we do that? How can people who've not done that before, how do we begin, Marlo? Please tell us. Oh, boy, that's a loaded question, Stephen. And it's one that I'm glad you asked. You know, and again, it's 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 positioning. It's multiple things. But, you know, failure is one thing and it's reframing. So there is success and there's failure, right? That's the the yin yang or the black and white of those two. But what the, what you come together on is the word that has synergy and that's learning. So we learn from our success, we learn from our failure. And so I think from um, a perspective as an entrepreneur, somebody who's in business, that they're trying to make things happen is really understanding that you just kind of have to go for it, right? That you do have to be a little bit fearless and just understand that that setback, you're going to learn from it, right? There, you know, the win, you're going to learn from it. So it's really how you approach learning is how you can overcome and strengthen your, you know, your fearlessness and also your, you know, your ability to fail. Because it's, you know, if you, I think, the stronger you get in that space, and I think a way to measure whether or not you're um, challenging your failures is if you are more resilient, if you have a bounceability, right? You can bounce back from a setback. The, the faster you can do that, you can witness that you're getting stronger as, as, an, as an individual, right? Is through that resiliency. I love that. And a lot of people might listen to you today with all the success you've had and think, well, you know, Marla's not had to deal with this before, clearly, because <laughs> she wouldn't be talking about this if she really dealt with failure and difficulty and 
and all of that. And I just wanted to talk about your son's 16th, birth, 16th birthday, because I think this is a really good example of how you have experienced maybe not failure, but a massive, massive setback. So tell me about that story because people don't know what I'm talking about. Tell us the story and everything will make sense in a second, everybody. Right. And you're getting down to, you know, you're alluding to the fact when 2010, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, you know, let me just tell you about that day. It was October 30th of 2010. And it was a Friday afternoon. And I was starting, it was in the fall. And I thought maybe I had some allergies, right? I kind of had watery eyes and a really plugged up ear. And, you know, a good friend of mine who's a doctor, she said, you know, you should probably go to an ENT, which is an ear, nose and throat doctor. And just go look, maybe you've got something plugged or something and, you know, allergies have set in. Well, I'll tell you, at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon, um, when I left the office, they said, you know, I went through some CT scans and they did some look and it said, you know, we'll have to follow up. Well, you know, <laughs> five o'clock, the phone rings and it's it's the uh, the ENT doctor and says, you know, we've we've witnessed that there is a, a tumor within your brain and I need you to see a specialist over at the university and we need to have some more extensive tests. Well, that Friday changed my world, Right. I got put on a path of being what I call a professional patient for the next 365 days. For an entire year, I was taken out of the business world, right? I had to reposition myself to be a professional patient. And I had to understand, you know, not only was I diagnosed with a brain tumor, but I had multiple tumors throughout my body. And I like to say I'm tumorlicious. <laughs> That's just my own <laughs> definition. I said, you know, if I'm going to go big, let's go all the way. And it was my mindset of like, Going in, I mean, I had over 56 test procedures and surgeries in 52 weeks. And so when you hear those numbers alone, that was every single week I was literally climbing a, a mountain around my health. And, you know, when our health is um, not, at, you know, optimum, we can really have some major um, things. I mean, it affects our family, our work, our career, our finance, absolutely everything. And that was the position I found myself in. And, um, you know, nobody wants to hear that diagnosis, but that was 10 years ago. I endured that year. It made me a stronger person. And I'll tell you, that setback was my setup to be my own personal brand. Because when I came out of that and I said, you know, I, I've got a purpose and I know that if I spend my time doing the right things, that's where I want to live. And so I said, who do I want to work with? What is the result I want to give? And what do I want to do? And that defined who I am today as a chief inspirational officer and helping other people understand that, yeah, fear is going to happen. Um, setbacks are, are going to be um, like nobody's immune to them, right? But it's just how we position ourselves when we are given those things. And when you reference my son, you know, um, he was 15 years old. He was, we have two boys and, it, you know, I, at that point with the diagnosis, I never thought I would see him to his 16th birthday. And for anybody who is a parent and, um, you know, I, there couldn't be a worse thing when you're not going to be there to see your kids grow up. And so that was really the, the, the pain and the agony that I was, um, experiencing that year. But again, I mean, I, I made the best of the worst situation. I would go into those appointments like wearing a skirt and heels, like I'm selling pharmaceuticals, not getting them. And so everybody look at me like, there's nothing wrong with that girl. But it was all my ferocious mindset and my, um, my endurance to overcome the circumstance that allowed me to get to the other side effectively. Well, that's huge. You know, I mean, it's a, 
it's an it's a great story, but also a very true story. You know, I've got my own family, my own wife's gone through her own different health challenges and stuff like that. So it's important to talk about it as well because it definitely changes you. It changes your priorities. Like you, you talked about you, you came out ready to go. And I think a lot of people listening today, sometimes you're starting a business and you think, oh, you're thinking about you know, me, me, me all the time and how hard this is and stuff like that. And I really wanted that story to serve as motivation and inspiration for those of you listening the, from Marlo. Like, look look where what she was able to do after something that was so difficult. I mean, what, what an unbelievable mountain you, you climbed. And just on that, I talked about motivation and inspiration. You've got an interesting take on those two concepts because this story, for me, inspires me massively. I feel it would motivate people as well. But What's your take on those two pieces of the of the puzzle? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, motivation is goal-driven. Inspiration is vision-driven. And there's a, t- there's a definite distinction between the two. So when somebody says, I need to be motivated, right? I say, okay, you need to set some really clear goals. But if you need to be inspired, you need to have a clear vision of what, what is possible. And so there's a really clear distinction between the two. So, you know, to be inspired, it's like, what's possible? What is that North Star that you are looking um, to, to arrive at? But if you need that, that regular day in, day out motivation, what are the goals that you want to reach by the end of the day? Yeah, love that. That's actually a huge, quite a great idea. Like by the end of the day, right? Like right. not in the next 10 years, because sometimes uh, that vision you talked about earlier, people almost live in the vision all day and they don't get anything done. And you've got a really cool piece on that around this formula for how you can use your day. Do you want to talk about that, your grow, serve, follow-up formula that you have? Oh, absolutely. You know, and again, thank you, Stephen, for bringing that out because it's such a catalyst for any business owner, anybody who, you know, has to kind of chart their own path. You know, that that stemmed from a question when I was leading that first sales team um, is what should I be doing with my time? And I know how many people, as you're listening to this, are asking yourself, you know, sometimes you go throughout the day and you feel like you've not accomplished anything, right? So the purpose of creating that was like, okay, well, what should you be doing with your time? And it really kind of broke down to three things. And if you think about it, if you spend your time, you know, growing, okay, that's growing personally and professionally, serving, that's like doing your job, like like being in your craft, right? So that's just service. And then if you follow up and you follow through, that buttons everything up. So it's grow, serve, and follow up. And I put a formula to it. So not only do we have clarity of what we should be focused on every day, but then we need to put a percentage of time. And so it's the 30, 60, 10 growth formula, and it's 30% of growth, um, 60% in service, and 10% of follow up and follow through. So let me give you a breakdown to, to kind of really give the impact. So when I say 30% of growth, that's two hours a day. And if you have a five you know, day week, that's 10 hours a week. Compound that over the month, that's 40 hours every month that you're focused on growth. Well, you get what you focus on, right? So if you have an entire week of your month only focused on growth, what are you going to get? you're going to get growth. And so it's just a simple way to understand what we should be doing with the time that we have so we can optimize our performance and then feel really whole and complete on the other side. Because I think that tension is, you know, we want to feel like we're serving um, our day and doing it effectively. And that formula is there for that reason. 
I love that. So for everybody listening, I think we can build a, a version of this for our Amazon sellers here today. And so the growth then as well, I think serving could be your research, 60% of your day, researching, looking for new opportunities, uh, then growing 30% of your day, and then obviously following up being the admin and stuff like that. And that growth part part of your day, that 30% of your day could be communication with suppliers and things like that. So I, I, I'm always trying to apply it back as much as I can, Marlo, but I think even people listening today, if you're in your career outside of your Amazon business, this is a great way to improve your career as well, right? Because a lot of people, they just go about the day without any kind of focus on anything. So I love the idea of just applying this in your, let's call it your civilian life, and you'll get more out of your day right right now. Absolutely. And, you know, when I first started that strategy, again, it was when I was a first-time entrepreneur, right? And at that time, that sales team, they needed to do three things. They needed to book, sell, and lead. So they needed to book appointments, they needed to sell product, and they needed to lead themselves and lead others. And so it shifted, right, when I when I took that same concept and that philosophy. And I, you know, just understood, like, how are you doing with booking, selling, and leading? And that became the catalyst conversation and the metrics in which we measured by. So ask yourself to make this really customized to anybody listening. If you were to think of three catalyst actions every single day that you need to measure, that's what you need to define. And so I believe it's, you know, growth, service, and follow-up. And the thing about follow-up is there are billions with a B billions of dollars lost every year because people don't follow up. They don't follow through, right? They're kind of a one hit wonders. They take action, but then they just let it go. But it's in that follow up that there's a lot of opportunity. And it also helps us be whole and complete. So we can button up our business and segue our day, you know, and feel peace as we go into the evening with our family. And so kind of it's a framework and it's a full-fledged formula that can kind of help you as a business owner, you know, circle back around. And so get really clear, what are those follow-up things that you need to do? You know, what do you need to check off before the end of the day so you can feel good about your business? Love that. And just as we wrap up today's conversation, uh, another piece that's really, really vital to the success formula, let's just call it, is this idea of being consistent. And a lot of people have a lot to say on this topic. I'm interested to get your take on it because for my audience here, one of the challenges can be being consistent whenever they're doing something else during the day. So they have a job or something like that. They're trying to be consistent. And I I say trying to be consistent. I'm just going to give you, I'd like to hear your thoughts just on this idea How can we be more consistent or what's your whole take on even the concept of consistency? Okay. So great question again, Stephen. And obviously you've done your homework. You're a high achiever, right? Because these are just some basic formulas for high achievement and attainment. So, you know, to be a high performer, you need three things. You need to be active, you need to be consistent, and then you need to recalibrate. And so let's look at that. So as long as, you know, we, we vet out the actions we need to take, and then we consistently take those actions. And then when we recalibrate, that's when we can reset, we can, you know, revisit those actions. If you do those three catalyst things, you're going to make your performance so much easier. But when you look at them between actions, consistency, and recalibration, the first thing to go nine times out of 10, it's that consistency piece, right? We know what actions we need to take. It's easy to reflect on them, but the thing that's hard 
is the consistency of doing it. And so what I love to tell people is write an essay on the word consistency. What that does is it immediately, the only reason why we stop being consistent is we, we stop seeing the value in it. So let's apply this to weight loss, right? We know that we're supposed to consistently eat right every day, exercise, drink water, right? But it gets boring. It gets like, okay, just drudgery and we're just going through the motions. But when you can stop and say, okay, the value of consistently eating the right thing, what does that bring me? And when you can re like anchor in the value of doing it, then you have an understanding. So when I say an essay, it can be a sentence, paragraph, or page on what consistency means to you. And when it's that customized and you can re like re-understand the value point, then you're like, okay, why wouldn't I? And that kind of like gets you back into the um, you know, the action of being consistent. Plus, the other piece of that is there's a, a like an energy surge when we're consistent. Because we want people to be in that space so we don't have, you know, fly too high or we just go too low because the energy that it either takes to come back down on the consistent line or to pull ourselves back up, there's just too much energy that is expelled and wasted in that space versus just what I like to say, find the gentle hum, right? Kind of find that rhythm or that beat within you and then just consistently run at that pace and you'll be able to sustain, yeah, it reminds me of the idea of the compound effect as well, that like you do a small amount so consistently that over time, that compounding result is so much greater than taking a weight loss example, crash diets or exercising really aggressively for a short period of time, falling off the wagon for months and months and months. And so the the net result of that consistent action the compounding effect is so much greater than the up and down. The up and down, you probably never really go anywhere. You pretty much stay where you are. Whereas on the other side, it, it, it's it's amazing where you can go. But I think for some people, when they're starting out, or even even in myself, you know, you're right what you said though. Like there is actually a there is sometimes a drudgery that can creep in to being consistent. But like you said, recalibrating why is that important to you. What is this going to do for me in my life and for the lives of people around me? Really important. I love that. I really, I genuinely really love that. It's something I've taken away from today. Uh, so awesome. Um, I feel like I've covered all the, like I could talk to you all day, but I wanted to make sure we got, and then finally actually on that, I think again, another opportunity for a Maverick mantra. Whenever you're in that moment where you're about to give up Marlo, I'm not going to do that thing today. Good time for a mantra, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you need to support yourself. And, you know, as much as we want others to support us, and they do support us, we have great networks of people. But, you know, what is that thing that you can do to really support yourself? What can you say? What kind of mantra can you feed yourself that is going to allow you to feel really good about, you know, what you're doing and, and who you are? So absolutely build a mantra that is really specific to you. It really makes the most sense. Awesome. Well, look, a lot of people that are listening today are going to be like, Marlo is amazing. Steven, get her back into our community, which I definitely will. But for those listening and they're like, I want more, I'd like to learn more about these different things you talked about today. Could you give us a couple of spots that people could go and check out things they could maybe download or something like that? 
Oh, absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity. You know, we we also have the podcast, which you were um, featured on, which is 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And, you know, that's our brand performance podcast. It's relatable to entrepreneurs and business owners, people like this right now that are listening that um, can get nuggets of knowledge and, and insight from others who have either charted the path before or maybe have fallen flat and uh, have an experience to share. And so that is a really rich, rich way to connect with us. You can also go to our website at marlohiggins.com. We also have a Facebook page, which is our Perform and Get Paid community. And so feel free to join that as well. And then LinkedIn. If you enjoyed this episode, I would invite you to go over to LinkedIn and, and share a review or um, you know share with us what your biggest takeaway was. I love that. But we'll definitely make sure to get all those links out to everybody and all of that jazz as we do in the podcast world. Well, look, thank you so much for being a guest today. I really took a lot away I'm going to make sure that our community pick out all the little gems from today's interview. And I just want to thank you for your time. I know how valuable it is. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen.